0: Blob Talk Radio All aboard! Hi! Welcome to
1: NTMMA Welcome to NTMMA Radio What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of NC MMA Radio. This is your host, Tyson Roush. You can follow this show on Twitter, NCMMA underscore radio. Also, check out our website, www.ncmmaradio.net. On this episode, we got a very special guest, a guy that I just, I, I love meeting him. He's got so much passion, so much energy, and he's one of the pioneers of the sport with the whole rise and the evolution of mixed martial arts, and that's Burt Watson. Burt, this is Tyson Roush. How you doing, man?
0: Man, I'm trying to make it, baby. How about yourself, boss?
1: <laughs> oh, Bert, I'm doing great, man. <laughs> first of all, thank, thank you for your time today because, you know, it's been a long time i wanted to talk to you because when I first started watching, like, martial arts and UFC and everything like, like that, the first thing I noticed was your passion and your energy and just how you hyped up fighters and you were so great with the fans. Is that something you took a lot of pride in?
0: Well, well, with, without without a doubt, it's it's – it's something, you know, it, it, it was a job for me. It was my profession. It, it was what I, what I do. Uh, and, you know, anytime you you do something and you want to be good at it, you want to be passionate about it, but more importantly, you want other people to appreciate what you do and how you do it. And when others show their appreciation of what you put out, then it makes it all worthwhile, baby.
1: No, and it pays off. I mean, you see. I mean, fans just love interacting with you, and you can just see the passion. And the fighters appreciate it as well. You see, like you get them motivated, you get them hyped up, and it's a really, really cool experience. Now, you have a you have a pretty strong background in boxing and MMA. What got you involved in all of this?
0: Well, my my original background is uh, boxing, professional boxing. I started in uh, professional boxing with with uh, smoking Joe Frazier. That was the, the first guy that I I started with. Uh, and I was with Joe up until about 1995 or 96 or something like that. And wanting to stay in boxing, uh, connected with uh, Butch Lewis, Michael Spinks, uh, and got to got an opportunity to stay in boxing uh, on a level that was comfortable for me. And that was basically just kind of rousing things together and keeping things together and making things happen and making it work. And that eventually turned from just having something to do to stand boxing to a job uh, to me finding a way. Uh, You know, I always thought that there was a very big disconnect between the fighter and the promoter. And I knew that that disconnect had to be bridged. I knew that someone had to bridge that gap between the two. And I was allowed to do that. And that's what I did. And along the way, came forth the site coordination, the, the, the ability to coordinate the operational procedures. And, and each, each and every promoter that I worked with you know, and, and started in boxing, you know, I worked with Don King and the Duvas and Bob Arum and Cedric Kushner, uh, Mike Curry, you know, I, I worked with, with, with most of the major boxing promoters. I did shows. I started out on USA Today espn hbo showtime and they all allowed me to do what i did without giving me instructions on how to do it and you know it became fun it became easy uh and i and i got to be as good as i could be at it because i was allowed to be good at it if that makes sense to you baby
1: no that definitely Uh, makes sense now do you do you once the going from boxing to the sport of MMA was that something just an opportunity to present itself or did you take kind of a risk doing that?
0: No, there was no risk. It was it was one job leading to another. I did boxing. Someone that that was promoting. Uh, uh, I had a fight in in Las Vegas, and the promoter knew of Dana White and 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 uh, the mixed martial arts program getting started and the UFC getting started, and, and gave us the introduction and. It was just going from one job to the next, and I went from the boxing job to accepting a job to do a UFC event, and the the very first one I did was UFC 31, and it was at the time on as a on the job or or as as per event basis, you know as as Dana and the UFC did an event, I got a phone call, we're doing such and such an event at such and such a place. And it went on from giving one and two and three events to me getting a schedule for seven events, getting a schedule for eight events. Uh, And it jumped from eight to, I think, 12. And it went from 12 to 20. But every time I got a schedule for an event, the event would happen. And the event did happen. And still, while I was doing that, I was still also allowed to... Still work in in professional boxing because at the time when they first started, I was still doing shows, uh, you know, with Oscar De La Hoya, and I was still doing uh, I, I think I was still doing a Titan, still doing Tyson. I was still working uh, I was working with Leila Ali. Leila Ali is I think 25 and 0. I did 23 of her fights. Uh, the last nice. professional boxers that I worked with were the Klitschko brothers. Uh, I worked with them, and I did both of their fights. I did their pro debuts, and I did all of their their professional bouts up to until the time that they got their belts, uh, that they became world champions. And then the conflict started because when they needed me, I was already booked to do MMA. I was booked to do UFC. So it got to a point where they said, you know, we're going to have to try to do something else because we need you when we need you. And when we need you and you can't be here, then we, we have to do something else. And, and understandably, they had to, and they did, and, and so did I. I committed myself to the schedule that the UFC gave me and ended up in MMA and ended up living the sport, liking the sport, learning the sport, working in the sport, and I did that for 14 and a half years.
1: No, and it's the really interesting thing is that you kind of went through like the rise and somewhat fall of boxing, and then then the rise of mixed martial arts. What is your yes. how, what was your t- what is your take on boxing? Just how it's you know, the whole Mike Tyson thing, Lennox Lewis, Dillahoy, and now it's kind of fade off into the sunset with only really Mayweather and Pacquiao. Are you surprised by that? And what do you think caused all this?
0: Well, I can honestly say that that from my experience and I'm going back to the late 80s, you know, the uh, uh, boxing worked on its athletes, worked on the athletes that were there, but I don't think it paid a lot of attention to the feeder system. It didn't pay a lot of attention to the amateur program and the people coming up through the amateur program. It grabbed onto a lot of the, the – Golden Boys, so to speak, and no, no pun intended, because it did. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard jumped out and grabbed Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya jumped out and grabbed, grabbed Oscar De La Hoya. You know, uh, unbelievably, I think there was an Olympics, and I think it was the 88 Olympics. Don't quote me on, on specifics. But, you know, you had Evander Holifield, uh Pernell Whitaker, Mark Breland, you, you had about about seven guys that came out of the Olympics out of our feeder system. After those guys came out, that was the end of it. It seemed like like boxing took those guys out of the feeder system and didn't go back into that system to cultivate that system so that when it needed to go back in that system, it had superstars in there. It didn't seem like boxing did that, did that with a feeder system. Eventually the 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 fighters and boxers that they had out Oscar De La Hoya, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, you know, Bernard Hopkins, you know, Shane Mosley, it went on that that those guys, you know, like everybody else, you know, those guys matured and became men. And when the sport of boxing needed a replacement, there was nothing there because they didn't take time to cultivate the feeder system cultivate the amateurs, and work on a group or a crop of fighters that when it came time for the other ones to get older, there was no one there. When that did happen, and they realized it, and then they tried to go back into it, MMA came along. And MMA came along and grabbed a hold of that thunder like nobody's business. MMA popped out of nowhere, and while boxing was going through its thing, trying to recoup... From not working on the feeder system, MMA, MMA came in and grabbed a hold of that little little bit of what they did. They grabbed a hold of the fans. They grabbed the hold of the crossover fans. They grabbed a hold of mainstream America and took off.
1: Yeah, they definitely did. And I remember because, you know, I'm in my 40s, and it's like I remember I used to always watch Friday night fights, Saturday night fights, and slowly but surely they went away, and it was like all pay-per-view or HBO, and you couldn't really find any boxing anywhere. And all of a sudden, right. like, there was this there was this cage fighting thing. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. And, you, and that's when when UFC was only on pay per view, you had to actually pay for I, a lot of these things. It was kind of, like a, you know, and it, you watch you know, one or two
0: things. What you just said, Tyson, everyone else felt the same way. Everyone else just said, well, you know what? I can't find. I don't see any boxing. I'm not interested. I'll I'll, I'll take a shot at watching this cage fighting thing. That was the same attitude everybody had across America. Everybody, all of the boxing fans, the guys, the guys, and the and the, and the females that weren't boxing fans that were fans of, of of that type of sport, you know, they saw an opportunity and saw something that looked a little different, and there was no boxing there, and you know what? They jumped on it, and it it caught a hold of it, and unlike and 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 you know. Dana White came from, he also had a boxing background, and uh, and the people he put around him, and I'm thinking about it uh, with myself and everybody else, the majority of the people that he put around him that did did a lot of the, the operational work and so forth were boxing people. He put a lot of boxing people around him that knew the sport and knew how to work the sport. And he paid attention to, what what was happening in boxing and you know what they cultivated the feeder system thus they came up with the ultimate fighter which became their feeder system and it got to a point where now when guys come out of that ultimate fighter they already they already as famous as they are when they get into the sport and make a name for them for themselves you know, it was I sat here the other day, baby, uh about what three months ago when Conor McGregor fought fought uh fought my man Nate. I sat here and I looked at a picture that I had a Conor McGregor one year earlier in Boston. And he went from that Connor McGregor with no tattoos on the scale to the Conor McGregor that stepped into the cage with Nate. In one year. And that's because he also came out of that feeder system, which is the ultimate fighter. So that was the difference, and that that made the difference, and it grew along with the popularity of the sport. And the sport itself, MMA, grew at an unbelievable rate, unbelievable. And the sport of MMA now has gotten to be bigger than anything else that I've seen in sports in the last 30 years, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely crazy. And I think the thing that caught me on as a fan was the accessibility and the marketing of the UFC, especially early on, where they had stars like Chuck Liddell and T.O. Ortiz and Randy Couture, where they were stars, but they would hang out with fans. They would do events. They'd find autographs, and everything was free. Like, they do all these fan events, fan forums. Wherever you went, the fighters were all very accessible, Even Dana White's time, it was a very, like, it was all fan-friendly experience. We walked away saying, hey, you know what, I got my bang for my buck. I met all these fighters, they signed autographs, did all these things, and it was an enlightening experience because if you compare it to the NFL, everything's about money, 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 and the UFC at that time was about all about the fans and just garnering interest and attracting everybody in, and it sucked in, like you said, the ultimate fighter was, you know, Bonner and Forrest, it sucked everybody in so fast and it just took off
0: so fast. So, and, 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 and another key point, as you said, you know, even personally as, as a coordinator, I worked, uh, I did Mike Tyson's last six fights, five or six fights. I did Oscar Oscar De La Hoya's last five or so. I did Sugar Ray Leonard when he fought Camacho. I did his last as a coordinator everyone involved in the operations had to know specifically who I was because I couldn't get to the athletes if they didn't know who I was so if I had a hard time getting imagine what time the fans had to get the fans couldn't get to him they couldn't touch him they couldn't experience a, a night out with with Mike Tyson sitting around sitting around or, or Oscar De La Hoya but MMA didn't do that with its athletes it made its athletes accessible to the fans to everybody at any time you know whenever they wanted to they just they were there they were there and and you know i thought myself personally which i i didn't really identify that that's what the ufc was doing but i knew as a person that knew there was a there was a gap and a bridge between the fighter and promoters, I was happy to make the fighters accessible to the fans. I was happy that, you know, when I would bring the fighters in uh, into Las Vegas, uh, we were set up downstairs in in, in the back area of the Mandalay or the MGM. Fans knew where we were and knew where we were set up. When the fighters came in, the first thing I did before they went into that office to do their paperwork, I gave the fans a shot. To get their get their stuff signed and get their photographs and get their pictures, and I did that, and it be, it became a way of how I operated and how I functioned. And you know what? It 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 paid off. It worked out because the fans got, like you said, they walked away. They got a bang for their buck. They got to know the athletes. You know, hell, they helped They they help. They help put my name out there a little bit. You know what I mean?
1: Well, for everybody loves you, man. I mean, every when getting, I saw you recently at the CFFC, you know, walking out some fighters, and you're still, you have the same passion, the same drive, and it's just, it's really cool to see. It's awesome, man. Now, I guess my question for you is this. It seems, you know, right now the biggest issue, or one of the biggest issues in the UFC is, or even martial arts for that matter, is just that the fighters pay. And you see right. the money made in boxing. The money made in boxing is substantially more than what the martial arts are getting now, and it's almost – it's almost ridiculous it seems like. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? I mean even you look at the McGregor guy's one million dollars, but you saw like right. you know Mayweather and Pacquiao, they're making right. you know millions and millions of dollars. It's such right. a it's such a difference. Right,
0: right. Hundreds of millions. Well yeah. let me say this let me say this to you, baby. Even going back, as far back as I can remember and I'm going back, and I'll and I'll take it back to the early. I'll go. I'll go back to. I'll say the early, the 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 early to mid '90s. Even then, you had maybe five boxers making ninety percent of the money. Think about it: Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, maybe you know Oscar De La Hoya. You had Maybe maybe five or ten percent of the fighters making ninety percent of the money. Today you have maybe you got you got one fighter making ninety percent of the money. Okay? Would you agree with that?
1: No, that's true.
0: <laughs> okay? I, I mean I mean right now today, everybody else in boxing gets paid. Floyd Mayweather gets paid. But only he does that, and only and only Manny Pacquiao does that. gets that everybody else. I can tell you honestly that there are probably still guys right now that are getting two hundred dollars a round in boxing. I can tell you that somewhere right now, and I threw that two hundred dollars around now because that's that's what I remember, and my memory is my memory is is thirty years deep, or more. But I can guarantee you that today. Guys are probably, you know, guys that are probably just getting into boxing and are fighting four rounds are probably not, still not getting any more than two to three hundred dollars a round. Is the money that they make in boxing comparable to the, that to what they're making in MMA in the UFC? No, because I don't think that the funding or the type of money or allocation of that type of money. is the same in MMA as it is in boxing. I think it's getting to that point. I think the pay now, the pay that they're getting now is better than I knew the pay to be 10 years ago. The pay now is better than I knew it to be, honestly, five years ago. Is it comparable to the growth of the sport? Like anything else, a fighter has to sit down and negotiate for his money. He has to negotiate and say, this is what I want, this is what I want for that fight, and this is how I want it to be paid. It starts with that. And if that keeps going and the consistency is there, then somebody has to answer that call somewhere. If you put it on an even plane across the board, and to answer your question, no, the money that, Fighters are paid in MMA is not comparable to what Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, and maybe two or three others are making in boxing. But when you go past those top, I'll say top five in boxing, the scale j- drops dramatically. It drops dramatically. Now, does that scale drop the same way in MMA? And I see now where, where and I don't know exactly, what Connor got for his last fight. I think it was I think he got a million or a million and a half or something like that. And I think I think uh my man Diaz got maybe a half a million or more. But I also think now that they're starting to negotiate for themselves part of the pay per view revenue. I think they're starting to negotiate for themselves, meaning with their management, maybe some of the gate revenues. I know they can't touch that. That that I mean, you know, they're they're trying to negotiate whatever whatever they don't understand on that Reebok deal, and they're trying to negotiate that. Eventually, at some point, it'll probably get to a, a level where where it might look a little better. Right now, yeah, I
1: mean, I, it, yeah, it it's, doesn't. It's, yeah, right now that like you're right because like right now it's like there's so many things and. Now more than ever, a lot of the numbers are being revealed through social media and whatever else, just all these reporters now saying this guy only made this. And you mentioned the Reebok deal, which in many aspects is unfair to the fighters. Right, Now, Can right. you see – It is. We, we had a couple of fighters recently. They both said, you know what, mm-hmm. when your contract right. is up in UFC, you'd be foolish not to look at Bellator or something else just because your fight contract may be X amount of dollars. But your sponsorship money, all that stuff, will exceed what Reebok's offering. So it's a business. You got to do what's best for yourself because it's a fight business. You know what I mean? It's just nature yes, of the beat for yes. these guys.
0: Well, I, I think that if if they're going to address it or or it's addressed, you know, that needs to be done before those sponsors go away, uh, or they're not there any longer. And you know, it, it's one of those things where 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 I, I hear. And I read what everybody else reads and everybody else hears. And, and I hear how disgruntled some of the fighters are. And, you know, when, when it comes, if, if you're not happy with the money you're getting, then you need to say something about it. Then you have the right to say something about it. You have the right to be disgruntled. You have the right to voice your opinion, plain and simple. If you're not getting what you want, you have the right.
1: You have the right to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, and that's the way to handle it. And I think, I think a lot of people are realizing that now when, you know, like us locally here, we have Frankie Yeager here, and we wanted to see him fight right. Connor a couple of times. Now that didn't happen. And it's a fight business. You know, big fights are, you know, it's not really about rankings now. It's more about money and pay-per-views and everything else. Now, I guess my next question for you is, you know, you know, working with like a local, like a more regional thing like CFFC, Do you enjoy that kind of stuff? Because to me, it's like, it's grassroots, but it's so much fun for these guys, like, training so hard, work so hard, just to get that shot at World Series of Fighting or Bellator or the UFC. Well, for me,
0: in in working in... I have always been exposed to athletes at the highest level. I, 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 you know, common sense told me there was a feeder system. But until I... My association with CFFC, i would never been exposed to, nor did I ever see, the amateur program. I've, I got, I've got a taste of the amateur program right now firsthand. I've got a taste of these guys working their butts off and, and all that sweat and working hard in the gyms to get to, from the amateur level to the CFFC to the next level, to what everybody considers the ultimate level. I it, it's it's great for me to see that. It's also great for me now to be a part of that because I know what it takes to get to the next level. I know what it what it takes or what happens when you get into that next level. And now I have the opportunity and it, it it'll have to catch on. It'll it'll take a while cuz I'm just I haven't been in this with the CFFC now a year. I haven't been there a year yet. But it'll take, take a while. I hope to, to teach these, these young men, I hope to, to give them the experience that they're going to get when they get to that level, to help prepare them for what they're going to see when they get to that level. Because I can tell you something, baby. Sometimes when the lights go on, some people's lights go out. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know that, okay? A lot of people are not ready for that Are not prepared for that me being now here on a regional level working with these guys, I can give them that, and I, I can share that with them, and I can share that feeling and i have I have a great time right now, you know working with rob paydak, mike Constantino, I got a young lady over over there at devin who who is unbelievable in operations, you know and 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 to work here in philly, my home. <laughs> and 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 to work in Atlantic City, which we're getting ready to which we're getting ready to do at the Brigada May 21st, and I still get to see Frankie Edgar, uh, uh, and 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 Corey and Mark Henry and and guys that I worked with, you know Ricardo Almeida, Gracie, you know Rivera. I still get to see these guys. I saw the Miller Brothers last week in Philly, man, which was oh whole week for me. But it's, you know, I'm, I'm blessed because I get the respect and I still get the opportunity to work, reach out, touch, teach, and be relevant. And I love that, baby. I love that with all no, my I, heart.
1: And, and it's an awesome. Like, I've been to several CFFC fights, and, and it's just it's a great, you know, or in Philly, it's a great event, very well run, very well organized, and the fights are always entertaining. So it's it's definitely a positive. Like, I and mean, like I said, we had some local fighters there, friends of mine, that fought, and watching you walk them out, you can see the look on their face. Like, it's, just, it's just so inspiring, man. It's such a really cool experience. Um, I guess like, the other big news against MMA is that, you know, New York was finally sanctioned for mixed martial arts after all these years, it seems like. How big do you yeah. think that is for the sport?
0: I think that New York was probably the only uh, major major hub that that, that MMA – had not filtered into in terms of a professional level. Now I think they did MMA in New York on on the on the amateur level. I think they I think they did, but I don't think they did professionally. I th- I think it's a, it's it's a great opener, especially maybe in here in Philadelphia. What it does is that it allows promoters from North Carolina or regional promotion promotion on back to get an opportunity to to promote in in new york and to get on what's considered a major stage you know uh from a marketing standpoint possibly television standpoint uh, i can tell you from an operational standpoint it's not going to be a picnic for anybody okay (laughs) i've done three fights at madison square garden at four actually i've done four fights Three with the Klitschko brothers, and another one I did at Madison Square Garden. And working in the New York area with all of the hustle and the bustle, and the rates, and the the, the, oh, it's 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 not an easy thing to do, you know. It's 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 uh, logistical gymnastics. Damn, I don't even believe I said all that in one breath. But but I, I think for the sport itself. And for the exposure of New York, the New York market, Madison Square Garden, going to Brooklyn, uh, into the arena in Brooklyn, you know, I I think it's going to be a a great thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think that would be kind of like a really – probably a defining moment when they have a huge mega card at Madison Square Garden, the top fighters. That's like – it's like one of the grand stages, like, you know, like Vegas is a fight capital, but just to get that card in yes. MSG I think is gonna it's gonna be huge for well, everybody. that's gonna
0: happen. Oh. that's gonna happen. That is that that's that's gonna happen now. As soon as they cross all the T's and dot all the I's you know the one thing about about you know politics and and New York, you know, it, it has to be written on paper, the T's have to be crossed, the I's have to be dotted and the paper's gotta be dry. And somebody has to <laughs> proofread it. Then we, then it's, a, then it's to go. But <laughs> in my career in MMA, I've been in every major sporting arena, just about every major sporting arena in the U.S. I think that I think that the the, the UFC f- kind of followed or 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 kind of stepped in the footprints of the NBA because I don't I don't I can't remember one major NBA franchise except Madison Square Garden that I haven't been in the middle of the arena and looked up at the rafters and saw the banners or the hockey team or whatever. So I I you know, I've been to each and every even Oklahoma. You know, and and, and I'm going just to kind of as we're talking I'm kind of thinking and you know, we've been in the we've been in the Texas you know, in Houston and Dallas, and so we we've been through all of those, and I've done events in all of those major NBA arenas except Madison Square Garden. So I think that this kind of ties into what is a part of the process of what's happening to MMA and what's happening to the sport. And I can tell you something, man, uh, and I said it before, baby, MMA has gotten. As big as you, uh, not as big as it's going to get, because it's only going to get bigger. I'm a boxing guy, and I go back days where, right here in Philadelphia, I think there was a time in Philadelphia where they had to be 30 gyms. I don't know now if there's, I don't know, but I can tell you one thing: there, there are at least ten, there are at least ten to fifteen different locations that teach and offer MMA as a class. And as, as 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 a part of of of, of the athletics, so MMA and, and and mixed martial arts has become huge. Every channel I turn on, every time I turn on all the morning shows, they're at some gym learning how to put a rear naked chokehold on somebody or or <laughs> or, or an arm bar. You know, but it's 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 unbelievable, and and not only that, but you you can hear it. You look at the news, or look at the television, or look at soap operas, or whatever. And everybody's using jargon from MMA. Everybody, you know, he's tapping out, or 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 I'm going to choke him out, or you know. So that says a lot. That says to you, and I'm going to say something that might get me in a little bit of trouble, baby. <laughs> but that that's what happens when you've been around a little bit, you know. MMA is bigger than the UFC. The sport of MMA is larger on a whole than the UFC. Now, you think about that. Just the sport itself has grown. That is international. I mean, they just legalized going in and promoting in New York. They didn't legalize MMA. (laughs) MMA has been in New York forever. They just legalized the promotion of it. MMA has grown. It is all around New York. The Gracies are all over New York. Matt Serra, Ray Longo, all of those guys are all over New York. You know, Frankie Edgar and Mark Henry and Gracie, and those guys got New Jersey all covered. Uh, Ricardo Almeida. You know, you got Tiger Shulman up in the – I mean, MMA is huge. Think about it. All over. Everybody fights MMA, though, or everybody's in MMA trying to get to what they consider that ultimate level. But I can tell you something, man, and I'm saying this not because I read this in a book, but the sport of MMA is larger than anything else going on across the country on a national and an international level.
1: No, and I definitely agree with you. And like you mentioned, it seems like everywhere you drive now, there's a new, a new dojo, a new martial arts academy, a new kickboxing academy. They're, they're all over the place now. It's just like everybody, you used to have to drive. Everybody. Like, you, you, used to drive. you on Facebook? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> all right. You you
0: go on Facebook or Twitter, everybody that five years ago used to be dressed up in a suit, now has got on a gig. Right. <laughs> <laughs> everybody on Facebook has got on a gi. Everybody, from four years old to 104, everybody. So, you know, I, I don't think I can get too much of an argument when I say that the sport of MMA is larger than the UFC or any other promotion of the sport. The sport itself has gotten that, that large. The, the appeal has gotten that broad. Everybody's sending it. I got, my, I got two of my grandchildren in, in le- learning martial arts. And everybody's doing it, you know. Like I said, you know, they went from from Hugo Boss Suits to geese. and that's everybody. So that's where we are right now, and, and I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm happy to be here uh, back at home in Philly, you know, and working with CFFC. And, you know, again, we got this major event coming up May 21st at the Brigada uh and these these men and women they're they're off the chain man and and the same for the amateur programs that we do sometimes in philly it's it's exciting and i'm and and i'm honored to be a part of it
1: no and i agree and like you said you know may 21st we have a couple fighters from our our school actually fighting on the card as well And it's it's always an exciting event very well run very well put together and for God it's you. A great you. I like yes, I like that. <laughs> I, I always, like to think that I'm a part cute. of that. <laughs> Bert, before we let you go, first of all, thank you for all your time. But what's the best way for fans to follow you and keep up to keep up what you're doing?
0: Anybody that likes to tweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I can be found on all, any one of the social medias under Bert Watson the Number Four realcom my website is BurtWatson4real.com, one word, Bertwatsonforreal.com. 4 realcom That's my website. That's to go to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I love, I, I, I love social media. That's how you keep up with me. That's how you follow me. That's how I follow you. You follow me, I'll follow you. Holla.
1: <laughs> You're a man of the people. <laughs>
0: yes, sir, yes, sir Well, you know what I've also learned And and and, and, and I'm over half a hundred, okay I ain't going to tell you exactly how old I am But I am over half a hundred I go back to the days when there were no cell phones So you guys right now with this social media Even though it gets all of y'all in trouble <laughs> Okay But the fact that it's there And you have the opportunity to use it Just don't abuse it It's there It's a blessing and I love it. So that's Bert Watson for real on any one of those social medias, baby.
1: Bert, thank you very much for your time. And I can't wait to talk to you on May 21st at the Another great night of fights.
0: Sounds good. And say hey to Nick, Nick for me and all the other, other boys out there in Jersey, man. I love them guys. And, and, and you know, they always, they always show much love and much respect.
1: Bert, have a great have a great night, have a great day, and thank you again, just for all your time today. Peace. Once again, that was Bert Watson for you know for a long time UFC fans. You, you remember him with the just his his fiery intros of the fighters, everything like that. And now he's with CFSC. He still does the same thing with the same passion. So once again, um, on Twitter, he's at Bert Watson for real. Give him a follow, he'll follow you back and it's, it's always a lot of fun to talk to. He'll talk fights, he'll talk anything with you actually. So definitely a good time so thank you for listening once again check out our website ncmmaradio.net we appreciate the feedback the support and the listen so have a good day and we'll talk to you again next time